Welcome to Palompo PR, the podcast. I've been working in PR for 16 years and the best part of my job is hearing the stories from the clients that have built their brands from the bottom up. Every month I will be interviewing, interrogating and really getting to the bottom of what makes the clients that I'm going to be interviewing tick. What happens at work, how they built their business and how they plan to drive it forward. Each month I will be inviting a different business person to tell me their story and I hope you can enjoy. First up this month is Rebecca McEwen from Arne Pryor Farm in Stirlingshire. I met Rebecca two years ago over a chance Instagram direct message and it has taken both of us on a really exciting journey. I've been working with Rebecca for two years now, helping tell her story to the press and on social media about her pumpkin patch and her soon-to-be swimming pool and glamping pod launch. I hope you enjoy. So, Rebecca, welcome to the Plombo PR <laughs> podcast. Hello. You are our first guest, my first guest, and today we are in my home office which is an enormous um, sort of suite, the top of a building in like the centre of Glasgow. It's not. It's in my house. We have the fire on. There's predicted snow tomorrow, but it's a really nice sunny cold day in Scotland. And we're drinking lots of tea and coffee and we've just had a meeting. So we're going to just go for it. So, Rebecca, mm -hmm. give me a bit of chat about how you ended up on a farm in Stirlingshire <laughs> when you're a lovely girl from the borders. How did this end up happening? So, yeah, no, it was all started off in Edinburgh. I was at university at Queen Margaret's doing media and cultural studies. Okay. I was, that was in, back in 2001, and Duncan was at... Agricultural College at Edinburgh Uni doing agriculture. So that's Rebecca's husband, Duncan. Yeah, the husband Duncan. Um, and you'll probably find out, you may know about me, I've got lots of Duncans in my life. <laughs> <laughs> lots of men called Duncan in your Duncan. life? I've got a father-in-law, a son and a husband, but this is husband Duncan. So, so yeah, he was at uni in Edinburgh and we started going out <clears throat> and then I left university after three years because as much as I wanted to... So, you know, do media, cultural studies, it was far too much of a um, written course rather than a practical course. Okay. So I decided to leave at the end of third year just after a basic degree and I went on to get work experience. Um, meanwhile, Duncan stayed on and did fourth year at uni. So I then moved to Glasgow <coughs> and um, I did work experience for various programmes like Taggart and um, you forget chewing the fat, still game, all the sort of typical uh -huh, Scottish, Scottish productions. I would work for free. I was a runner, um, which was it was great. But I always my passion was always in the art department, mm -hmm. and I always wanted to do art. Then a designer I worked with called Annette Gillis. She was working on play pie and a pint mm -hmm. at Oranmore. Yes, and I remember going to that. Yes, yeah, so I was her design assistant at Oranmore, um, and that's where I started to get into my job in Glasgow I felt really settled there and it was a paid job and Duncan had then left university and was farming in Arm Prior which is just in West Stirlingshire. So that's his parents farm? That's his parents farm so they've been tenants there since I think 1930s 
and he went home to do the whole, you know, leave uni, be the farmer mm -hmm. with his dad. So I yeah, worked in Glasgow for a while and then I'm originally from a farm in southwest Scotland uh -huh. in Dumfries and Galloway, I should add. So I do love the country, I love the farm mm -hmm. life and I went back, um, not a, so I love the farm life and to move up to you know, Stirlingshire with Duncan was perfect. So I was able to work in Glasgow and... And were you living together Sterling. at this point, or were you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we started living. <laughs> a dodgy face from Rebecca no. there. Well, well, it's a whole yeah. We, it, I think you, can, I do think you need to live with someone before you marry them so you, <laughs> to you figure know. out if you do actually like them. Yeah. So yeah, so no, we lived together for a few years before we got engaged and married. So I was able to commute into Glasgow, uh -huh. live with Duncan, and yeah, no, it was perfect. So I then also worked on a few other programs and. I was able to have most of my jobs in Glasgow, uh -huh. and um, I think I had a few that were away, including um, Monica the Glen. And um, what <clears throat> kind of things did you do in your job? So, what is actually so? It's a, a technically a props designer, buyer. Yeah, so, how does that? What do you actually do in that job? So, after Oran Moore, that's when I moved more to television things, and I joined the art department as an art department runner, um, and then became really interested in the props department. So, I. Um, started off as a petty cash buyer so um, for example on Monarch of the Glen which was probably one of my favourite programmes. You loved I Monarch on. of the Glen, who did yeah. not love Monarch of it the was Glen? It a good traditional Sunday night yes. drama. Aha, they should bring that back. Yeah, I know, for the <laughs> landscape if nothing else. Um, so, so, yeah, so for petty cash buying I would you know read the script, see what action props were used in that script and I would you know, go to the shops, antique shops, charity shops, anything from Asda to, you know... So I, to source, I, I like, the ultimate, like, platter for a banquet yeah. they were having in the show. To source, so, cool. yeah, it's everything from... The prop buyer does everything from, you know, the wardrobe that's in a bedroom to the duvet cover to the, you know, to the cup of coffee that they're uh -huh. drinking. So, and the great thing is about it, you're always buying the prop for that character so it can be everything anything from well Monarch the Glen it would be you know a nice bit of pottery but when it was River City it would be you know uh -huh. a different theme to fit different with that style. kind of yeah. um, home or personality exactly. so it was really good and I felt it really was nice because it got your design mm -hmm. designy head um, and you working. got to shop without to it shop. being your own money. So that sounds money. the dream, know, surely. Which then is a problem for your own life. Because <laughs> you're, like, oh. you're doing or, this shopping yes. on behalf of a TV programme and yeah. you want to buy it for your own house. So I do. I think we do. I think one of the. I worked in River City and they were. They had a huge big um, prop sale and they were just getting rid of everything from their warehouse. And I had to actually call Duncan to come with his trailer on the back of the car because I was like, oh, you can't throw this Belfast sink out, I need it. Or, you know, there was things, <laughs> this random there was too many nice things. So I did fill my house with clutter from TV sets. So that's a little problem. I don't blame you, I would be exactly yeah. the same. You could, yeah, Monica the Glen's prop sale was probably the best. All the nice wicker baskets and uh -huh. things like that. So, so then what yeah. happened? So, so once yeah. you were TV, so prop TV. buying, and then... Yeah, so my last programme I worked on was Ned's, which was a film by Peter Mullen. That was based in yes. Glasgow. Amazing film. So that was film. really good. Um, I was pregnant with my son, Duncan. And um, when... Yes, yeah, so after I had my first kid, uh, Duncan, it was just... Because I'm married to a farmer by now, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to childcare, you know, it's non-existent with... Mm -hmm. um, 
with Duncan, um, sorry, it's too many Duncan. Too many du- <laughs> so your husband so, is working 24-7, yeah, crack um, of dawn till sunset, basically. Yeah, so it was that decision, once I was on maternity, there was no, in my head, I didn't look and going back to TV straight away because Duncan wouldn't be there for childcare, yeah. it would be me leaving early in the morning, not back till late at night, yeah. so for me, just to take a break from my career in mm-hmm. television was yeah. the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, living in Stirlingshire, it was, yeah, living on the farm was really good because it did keep me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never a quiet day. Uh-huh. I was very much involved in the day-to-day farming life. So even though I'd given up my job in television, I had suddenly got a job on the farm, whether it be, you know, helping with field work or lambing time. Um, quite often at lambing time, you know, it's a 24 hours a day uh-huh. in the shed, so we'd always be taking shifts. And what came naturally so, to you, or was it all quite hard to get your head around? Or were you like, actually, I don't really, I don't like this, or I do like it, or what What parts of farming? Um, I would say it all came natural to me with the sheep work. Um, I was pretty much, like I grew up on a sheep farm, uh-huh. so lambing was second nature, you know, when I was little. I was always made to do things. You know, my mum and dad never said, oh no, you just stay in the house. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I was always, always out. Yeah, whether it be just the simple jobs, which I get my own kids to do now, like mm-hmm. filling up the feed buckets or the water buckets. Uh-huh. Um, so no, I was very much always involved growing up lambing. So when it came to lambing time at Arm Prior, it was second nature. I'd say the only thing that's different growing up on a farm that also does like the arable season, Duncan, you know, he grows a lot of barley and oats. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the harvest time, that's, you know, it's long hours all summer. So I wasn't used to that. So you do have a big chunk of life where you don't see... You live you know, in seasons, you truly live in living seasons. in seasons. Yeah, so I don't see Duncan much of the summer. He will work till half eleven most nights. But at least the good thing about him working on the farm is that he's on the farm and yeah. you want to join him and sit in a tractor. Yeah. Which I did maybe the first two years of going out and then you get... <laughs> well, it's romantic, isn't yeah. it? That and then you learn quite every, sweet. Yeah, you learn everything about each other and then you That's just... Enough. I've had enough of sitting on a tractor <laughs> seat. <laughs> and then so, the three kids. So the three kids, so yeah. then So then what happened? So you were helping out in the farm, not well help, not helping, working on the farm yeah. with a baby. So fast forward, so... Fast forward a, th- a few years, I now have yeah, three kids, Duncan, Flory and Erin. And while I was pregnant with Erin, she was born in 2015, that's when we had really looked at the farm and its location and decided that we maybe needed to change what we do. Um, actually, the farm, the farm started to change when we became Fourth Valley Monitor Farms so back in that 2012. Then? So that's when we open our farm gates literally to the farming community within Forth Valley. So each area in Scotland has a monitor farm okay. and it's all run by the Scottish Agricultural College and they basically come set up meetings at your farm and the community come and they see how you maybe work with your sheep, they see what you grow, how your grass okay. is, they will criticise, they will support it's just a real sort of community and I think we were really naive opening up the whole business to the community Uh but it really made us dissect the business and see where we had to change and the big changing point for us was getting rid of all our cattle and continuing with sheep but also looking at diversification okay and both Duncan and myself 
took a course called the Rural Leadership Course. So Duncan did it in 2013-14, I did it in 2015-16. And what that made us do was look at our rural business and see how we can change it. And the biggest thing with Arm Pryor was that Arm Pryor is on the, one of the busiest roads in the central. Yeah, uh-huh. you, know, you can't Sterling. miss it. You can't miss it. It's got Loch Lomond one side. It's not Sterling hard to find other. you as a farm. Most farms are off, off grid. Yeah, on a, we are actually not... in a village. Yeah. Yes, the village of Arm Pryor. You, you can't miss it. And there's a huge busy road and lots of commuters pass every day. Yeah. So it's turning the negativity of living in a busy road to a positive. And there was one, I think it was one night, Duncan was just scrolling through the internet. He was, you know, looking and seeing different people's farming practices. And down south and in America, there's a lot of pumpkin farms. And we've also got cousins living in Philadelphia. And we see their yearly retreat off to the pumpkin farm. And it made us think, well, they're, you know, they're growing pumpkins in England. They're growing pumpkins in America. Yes, we live in wet Stirlingshire, but there must be a way... Of doing pumpkins so when I was pregnant with Erin she was born in 2015 so in spring of 2015 I, I had my my big baby bump and I was growing 300 seeds in our greenhouse in the garden just to see if the pumpkins would you know germinate first of all and once all the plants germinated we then um, planted them outside and um, fast forward to June she was born my pumpkin seeds were growing in the ground and then I got my um, my baby Bjorn on and <laughs> baby carrier so she was a few months old she at was this a point. few months old and that's when we started to yeah sell the pumpkins at October so that's how pumpkins spawned in and how many pumpkins farm. did you sell in your first year, do you think? Um, well, those 300 plants, and most plants that year, it was a really good year. The, I think there was maybe about two plants each, two pumpkins each per plant. Okay. So it was a good 600. And um, it was, we kept it really simple. We, I think we opened up car parking space for 10 cars, thinking people would just grant, you know, quietly just, roll in uh-huh. and roll out. Um, but by 10 o'clock, we had to move sheep out of a field and quickly <laughs> signpost, you know, scratch some writing on a signpost to park in the field. And it just became really busy. And it was really quite exciting to see. But the worry of, you know, how's it going to work out? How's it going to, you know, are we going to have enough pumpkins mm-hmm. left for the next day? Um, but it was really good. And that sort of was the first year, 2015. Of- but how did people know to come to you? <clears throat> how did they hear that this farm was selling pumpkins and there was a pumpkin patch because the whole pumpkin patch thing in Scotland <laughs> and if any of you are listening from out with Scotland you maybe have a pumpkin patch you're maybe in America and this is second nature to you but in Scotland it's not a thing it wasn't a no. thing and you made it a thing you put pumpkins <laughs> on the map titled pumpkin queen by many people now which oh. is obviously a t- headline everybody wants in their life to be the pumpkin queen oh, but let's... how did they know about you in the first place um the facebook was the biggest um was the biggest way of us getting out there um we just started to have our pumpkin our pumpkin logo, Arm Prior Pumpkins, and then it was just share, share, share. And it just and rolled that, from there. Yeah, which was great. And that's when Facebook seemed to be much more receptive, I yeah. think, to... You could do that easily. Yeah, because 
it was amazing when somebody tags their friend in it, then their friends all see it. So that was amazing to see how... But then that was four yeah. years ago. I mean, we all use Facebook differently now. So four years ago, I guess... That was, was for, uh, pre-Instagram Pre-Instagram for yeah. the masses. There were some I cool people on Instagram then. I certainly wasn't, I wasn't one on of them. No. I wasn't on Instagram. I'd heard about it and I was not really... Un I didn't really sure get it. But yeah. it was for photographers. Yeah, no. Actual photographers, not for the regular people. So yeah, Facebook would have been your only... So it was our only outlet at that time. I think we had a few... Um, Sterling Observer, they did a lovely article. So the local newspaper. Yeah, and that was really good. Or that even could have been year two. I think it was actually purely Facebook year one. So that worked well and it was amazing how many people, it was all word of mouth. But I also think the saving grace for our pumpkin business has been the location that people pass it. Mm -hmm. We had a big bail man on the side of the road. We had our signage. And for me, because I've got my design background, it is all about the visuals and it's all about... Mm -hmm. The it's hand painted side got to be yeah, it has to be bright. It has to be a really good logo. We got our logo designed by a company in Yorkshire, and we still use them now for our other outlets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, it's been very much the visuals that have made me want to be, you know, to help sell. Mm -hmm. And what then after that? So year one, you must have thought, okay, pumpkins does sell. And yeah. was Big Duncan, your husband Duncan, was he sceptical? Was he up for it because, or did he think, yeah, okay, let's make this a real business next year? What was? So, how did you feel at the end of that first blast, the kind of risk that you took? I think the first year we were on a high because we had we we could see that we could sell them, and we saw that we could sell more the next year. But I think for us, we were still at the testing stage of not knowing what pumpkin seed to use. Okay. I never knew anything about pumpkins before. Be, you know, before I started, um, I'm not even like a vegetable grower in the garden. I don't grow vegetables. Mm -hmm. I maybe will have a tomato plant in the greenhouse, but yeah. I usually forget to water it. So we're not really <laughs> vegetable growers either. Um, the biggest worry for us, you could see how bad, how wrong it could go with the weather. Yeah. Because even though we grow, we you know we grow crops in the farm. If, if we have a bad spell of wind, you can see all, you know, you see how your barley can go flat. If you have a lot of rain, you can see how things can sour out. So it's obvious it's in that It's very sense. much, yeah, there's always that worry of, well, what happens if the weather's not good next year? And this is something we have learned. So for getting it right, we're still getting it right, you know, four years, five years on, but it's it's finding out what seeds work and what variety okay. works. So with pumpkins, there must be about 50 varieties. That's not... Factual. I don't know how many varieties there <laughs> but are. But there are loads. There is lots. Um, so actually the variety we grew the first year, we couldn't get the second year. So and we still can't get it. And I do think that's probably been our best um, fruit, our best okay. vegetable. It's just a really good hardy pumpkin. So, so yeah, year two came and... You know, we had our brand to build the the whole logo and the design aspect. You know, it was a little bit more. We had more signage, uh -huh. more visual things for people to you know stick their head through and say, yeah. "I've been to Arm Prior Pumpkins." Um, we actually, I think it was in year one, we had a comment from somebody suggesting, "You know, why do you not grow turnips? That's what Scottish people should be growing. You know, should yeah. be carving at pumpkin time." So. So for year two, we grew, I think, a thousand pumpkins and we also grew some turnips. So we thought, well, people are asking for yeah. turnips. Why don't we grow turnips? Yeah. And it gave them the opportunity to pull a turnip 
uh, pick a pumpkin and they were covering the American tradition. And the, and the, Scottish and the traditional tradition. Scottish way. Yeah, so, so that was good. And then um, we were able to encourage local businesses as well to do the catering. So we've got Skinner's in Kippen doing the burgers and we've got Fallen Tree Coffee doing the coffee truck mm -hmm. and again they're good food and well for Michelle that does the coffee she does it out of an amazing Land Rover so it's very cool and, and well, it's quirky. an event isn't it people are coming to spend the afternoon yeah digging mm. some potatoes pulling some turnips picking a pumpkin mm -hmm. they're gonna have a great coffee they're gonna have some it's, nice food so it's just the whole experience and we do you know, we, we say to people, it's very much a farm event. There's no pavement, there's no concrete, uh -huh. there's no monoblocking. You know, you do need to stick your wellies on. And that's what, I think actually, that's actually where our wellie hire spawned from because... Now that's the funny thing, the wellie hire. Mm -hmm. So people were coming sometimes with white jeans on and stilettos. Yeah, we've had some stiletto girls who were amazing. They came with their stilettos and they didn't realise it was on an actual farm. Uh, they wanted to bring his, their wee boy that was in lovely white Adidas trainers and they just embraced it. They, walked they just through went the field. for it. And then my husband Duncan had to pressure wash their feet afterwards <laughs> and they just laughed. And, you know, but then, and then you, know, you, just, you do have your people that carry their dirty pumpkin back from the field with their white jeans on and then get in their white leather car. And, so, and you're going, no, the mud, but like, they're not bothered. They embrace it and next year they will come back in their wellies and yeah. maybe older trousers. But we do have a wellie hire for people that maybe do want just to, yeah, maybe they're going to a cafe afterwards ah. and they want to then wear their... Um, but that's the thing, you're in, encouraging people to come to a farm mm -hmm. and enjoy the farm atmosphere. Yeah. And kids go away covered in mud and they love it. Yeah, because I think we live in such a ster sterile environment where, you know, you go to a soft play and we do all expect soft plays to be clean, mm -hmm. but, you know, I think kids aren't exposed to, you know, mud, to uh -huh. just running around and being her childhood would have been 50 years ago, uh -huh. 20 years ago even. Exactly. So, so yeah, it also is great when you see people, you know, pull a turnip from the ground and they see the roots and they have the stalk and it's also the education of teaching their kids where vegetables come from. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, you know, how many kids do think their vegetables come, well, they don't know, they, you know, they just they see it in a cellophane yeah, wrap. they don't realise. So, and... After year two, we encouraged um, people to, you know, to really get their hands dirty and dig for potatoes. Our unique selling point is it's a real farm yeah. and we're encouraging people to come on to a farm. To come and experience farm life. So that's when we created Lambing, Armpire Lambing, so it's like Lambing Live. Um, okay. So with Lambing, you... You arrive at the farm with your family, as long as they're school age. We always say to people, you need to, okay. the kids, the rules are to be school age, um, purely for health and safety okay. and for insurance for us. And once you visit the farm, you get to feed some sheep, cuddle a lamb, hopefully see a lamb being born. Well, when I was there with my children last year, we saw lambs being born. Yeah. Now, I've had two children. My husband has witnessed these two children being born and he was could not believe how real he felt the whole experience was, which I thought was a bit ridiculous considering we were going to watch lambs being born. But we both went, wow, we've just seen nature. Yeah. We've just <laughs> witnessed the birth of a lamb and it was amazing. Because our kids were completely mesmerised. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was actually such a good day out. Something yeah. that we weren't, sounds ridiculous, expecting to be so... 
um, intrigued by. I think it's it definitely for children as well yeah. to see. It, you know, you hope there's not too many awkward questions in the car on the way home. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, um, you do get to see the whole. You know, the how did the lamb get there in the first yeah, place? It questions, was... but it's really good because for us, for Duncan and I, it is the busiest time of year. Totally mental lambing. We are up all hours. And we sometimes, when we're in the lead up to doing the lambing experiences, we think, what, what were we thinking? You yeah, know, why are we opening our doors when we're busy enough anyway? But it's so, it's such a uh, feel-good feeling when your groups arrive, they see the lambs being born and the questions they ask, you know, we really, really love it. And it's only for four days. We do two weekends mm -hmm. and we're very lucky that we have Glasgow Uni Vet students that they help us um, in the actual lambing shed. Yeah. Know, even though we're visiting the actual lambing shed, obviously we have 700 sheep that lamb indoors over three weeks, four weeks. So, you know, it's busy with lambs popping out everywhere, but we, so they look after those lambs and sheep and we have our... But you're up through food. the night. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. It sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I've already, like last night, Duncan and I were chatting about lambing and it does kind of give me the, you know, the heart palpitations. You're starting to feel like that's just around the corner. March it comes is too quickly. on its way. We were scanning sheep at the weekend and we always scan the sheep to see how many lambs each sheep are having. And, and that's almost a countdown. And I was emailing all our vet students last night, just confirming dates. And we've got some students at the local high school that come and help out uh -huh. if you know, for work experience for who, you know, they're wanting to become vets. So, you know, organizing all that, and you know that lambing itself is only two, week, uh, two months mm -hmm. uh, around the corner. And I feed, so we have our vet students staying in our house as well. So I need to feed them. And then and feed your children and, feed the and get children. them to school and then persuade them that it's not too bad living on a farm. Really, we're doing this so we can go on holiday. Yeah, in this January. is the, this is the whole it's thing. The whole like it's yeah, they are so over lambing, but um, it is what it is. And I think because it is only for four to six weeks, it's a short time. You can get your head in the zone and think right. It's it's short lived. So once lambing season is over, that is the end of April, is that right? And then into May? Yeah, some, yeah you hope it finishes okay. mid-May. I've actually just, on my diary there, I've actually noted inside lambing stops. And I know for me, inside lambing means life now returns. Life, retu <laughs> right, life returns. Yeah. So then you have the summer to get really prepared for pumpkin season. Mm -hmm. So last year in 2018, for those of us in Scotland, we had our best summer mm -hmm. since 1980 something. Was yeah. that in the news? I don't know if that was true. But we had a great summer. We had proper sunshine, paddling pools in the garden. People even got sunburnt. It was exciting. So what did that mean for pumpkins? Was that pumpkins. good news for pumpkins last year? Um, yes, we thought it was good news, definitely. Um, the pumpkins grew so beautifully. You actually get quite excited about your pumpkins. I never thought I would become almost like a <laughs> pumpkin pervert. Yeah, pumpkin, there we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, so no, I became, a, you know, you, you look at your pumpkins and you go down to the field and they're, they're growing so nicely because usually for the various other pumpkin seasons we've had you know they're still quite green they're a bit slower growing uh -huh. 
this year they turned a beautiful orange so much quickly quicker because of the just because the heat. Of sunshine and the heat and they grew really huge and big and we were so excited about what a fantastic pumpkin season we were going to have and we you know we kind of gave ourselves a pat on the back thinking man we've actually this we've could cracked be the it. year this could, we could we've cracked it this is really starting to you know pay off the all the research and all the work we hopefully have made what we where we wanted to be then two weeks later came and we started to walk through our pumpkin patch and there was a little black spot on a pumpkin and then there was another little black spot and the next day we went down and there was more and as as the week went on this was maybe more getting into september okay so after, you're opening in a month's time yeah after our beautiful summer and don't get me wrong it really you know the pump we had two pumpkin patches this year we had the one that the people visited and then we had the old patch where we had all our surplus uh, pumpkins so okay. we'd grown over four acres of pumpkins with about four acres of pumpkins with, wow with about sort of four varieties so coming from that there's definitely a few varieties we won't uh, no a couple we won't do okay um and then there is obviously a few that we will but these black spots just didn't give up they kept appearing and you'd be walking along the rows and there'd maybe be 10 in a row that the black spots had turned into moldy patches oh gosh so we we kind of had a bit of a panic a panic day slash a panic week of clearing away rotten pumpkins and we must have lost about 50 percent of our crop and it's probably one of the most heartbreaking times in our agricultural history between Duncan and I. Uh It was was so disheartening when you're hand planting everything, then you're planting it out in the field and you're monitoring these, this crop like your babies, you know, they are your future, they're your, um, you know, they're your bread and butter, you know, you put so much hard work. This is a business and it has to work. Like all businesses, you don't do it for fun. Yes, the great byproduct of it is Mm -hmm. you do enjoy it. We enjoy it, it's a way of life, it is a lifestyle, but I think when the hard work turned into disaster, you just, you, you panic and you've, you're opening in a month's time, you have, you know, you've, you've created this event and this experience for people, you don't want to let your mm-hmm. customers down. The only saving grace in the whole thing was we had such a good crop, we had over two fields worth of pumpkins, it was a sea of orange. When we say we lost 50% of our crop, it's still gave us a good 50% of, it, it gave us more pumpkins than we'd had the previous had before. year. So, so it, it built our resilience dramatically, um, but it really it really made us rethink how we're going to do things in 2019. Yeah. Variety-wise, how we need to treat the soil, we need to make sure, I'm married to a little bit of a soil geek, um, <laughs> to give him his due, he's very, you know, he's very mathematical the way he thinks about a lot of things with percentages of what nutrients everything should have and his big thing is his soil so if we get the soil right make sure mm-hmm. it's got everything it needs I suppose it's like a body you know you're yeah. gonna have nice hair if you feed your yes you know your body nice um, food and uh, minerals nutrients same with the soil yeah the soil if it's good it will give us what we need so and did you learn did you figure out why there was that mold did you figure that out? We've not figured figured it out, okay. but we've got we think we think the soil may have been low in a certain mineral. Okay. And we think we may need to just it's even the way I think a lot of it was to do with the weather, to be honest. Okay. We may plant them in different 
in a different way. Um, uh-huh. So without it's giving away your trade secrets, yeah. but you've sort of we've got we've got ideas. Okay. But I do think it's from having such a dry summer to then a wet September. Yeah, and then, we did have a lot of rain in September. And, and I that. think they just soured out. I think they almost ripened too quick. Yeah, and then soured out. I think with you know if you're looking at pumpkin patches down. In England, you don't maybe get the wet yeah. September. You know, it's it continues or in to be dry. America, where we keep looking, and then and is it Bones pump, Mr. Bones, Mr. Bones, Mr. Bones, guys? If you are listening from Mr. Bones, we give you major high fives. However, you don't really know what it's like because you don't have the rain. Mm-hmm. You've got this beautiful sunshine, but we absolutely love your Instagram. And <laughs> we're don't. always looking at it and how great it would be to go to a pumpkin patch with shorts and a t-shirt on. I know. We don't think we'll ever do that in Scotland. I don't think any. We know that for a fact I think the press launch I don't think I think people would have loved a, a shorts and t-shirt yeah, press launch we couldn't make that happen for them unfortunately not the rain sideways <laughs> so you got over that stress of the mm-hmm. pumpkin mold fiasco whatever yeah. you would call that that must have been really testing I mean did you and Duncan not look at each other and think why are we doing this this is heartbreaking yeah I think it was it was really tough and that's when I think you look at your business and you're pleased you've got each other as cheesy as yeah, that sounds. But, I but guess. it totally, you know, he had bad days where he was just like, I don't know what to do. And I would say, well, look, you know, you've got, we've still got this amazing crop. We really need to focus on keeping this crop yeah. healthy. And then the next day I would think, oh my God, how am I going to sell this pumpkin patch to people when we've got rotting pumpkins? And he would say, well, look, we've already got a few thousand plus that yeah. are which is more than you'd ever had yeah. before so, so actually I think that's when you realize being in business with your with each other we really work well together yeah. because you know the dynamic the dynamic totally works and we just big each other up on his he doesn't have many bad days he's very you know the way he looks at things he's very much pragmatic about everything and he's just you know he's I think he's a man in a lot of ways he just and he's a farmer yeah he's like Move on. I'm a bit more emotional, <laughs> but on my emotional days of stress, what we're going to do, uh-huh. he just calms. So no, it all works out fine. And yeah, it's made us quite excited about this year of how we can overcome some of the problems we had. And then so this year, so we're now in January, nearly in February. What What's going to be different this year? Because I know that 2019 is the big year. So you've spent a few years getting it right, learning big lessons. What's going to happen this year? What's different? What's happening for you guys? In the whole business. Yeah. yeah. So 2019, yeah, this is the year that, yeah, exciting year in capital letters. <laughs> I think. Exclamation mark, Flash. hashtag yikes. Oh my goodness, what are we doing? So, yeah, so the way the year's looking, we have just started our next venture, which is arm prior swimming and arm prior glamping. Which sounds nuts when you started with. <laughs> 300 pumpkin seeds just a few years ago yeah I think where we have come it all spawns from the joy of people being in the countryside and on a real farm and I think the fact that we are in the central belt next to a really busy road within an hour of Glasgow Edinburgh Stirling Perth you know the, all the major tourist attractions and areas where people are yeah. when I, especially for when I compare it to where I'm from in Galloway you know you've got, we have got so many people on our doorstep yeah. and we decided to you know open our farm doors to the people and they've already had a taste of pumpkins 
they've, had a t they've had a taste of lambing and now we want to invite them onto our farm to have a go at staying in a real field with mm -hmm. real sheep and hopefully partake in farmy activities. Uh -huh. And then in the afternoon they can visit Stirling Castle. Uh -huh. You know, it's you're, you know we've got so much, so much to offer on our doorstep. So with Armprag glamping, we're putting up four glamping pods. I'm hopefully putting my design head on and making so them all So this is the fun bit for you. This is you getting back to what you yeah, really love. Yeah, and unfortunately oh. spending my own money, not, Yikes. <laughs> not a television So, so you're program. getting now yeah. to create these four. So tell me about these glamping pods. For anybody who has not been to a glamping pod or maybe has an impression of a glamping pod, what, what, was, what is an arm prior glamping pod going to be like? So an arm prior glamping pod is the ones that we are installing are... Um, they sleep five people. Okay. You have your own tables and chairs inside as well as outside. Okay, just for that eventuality, just, it may rain, yes. maybe. <laughs> um, and then you'll have your own cooking facilities within your pod and you will have your own private bathroom with a shower and underfloor heating um, within a 10 metre, 20 metre, you know, walk. So okay. you're, you've got your nice, cosy, heated glamping pod mm -hmm. with your nice... I like to think bespoke decoration. I'm well, not will be with your decor taste to it. So each um, will be individually decorated. Yeah, they'll, and they'll be individually decorated with their own theme, and they'll be beside. Uh, we'll have a, a fire pit. Okay. A couple will have a hot tub, which will be our more exclusive okay. glamping pods. We're, we're putting four in together, so there'll be two, hopefully, with a glamping. Sorry, two with the hot two tubs. with a hot tub. Uh -huh. Two without. There will be a swimming pool on site, so that's our arm prior swimming. Right. So the swimming pool, it's a 10 metre pool with, I always forget the name, um, it's like a jet that you swim towards. Okay. So if you want to train, you can. It's or like a, triathlon type yeah, training. Yeah, triathlon for keep fit um, if you're a professional, or not a professional, if you're, a, if you're like a keen swimmer, okay. it's like an endless swim. So that's one of the aspects. It's also going to be heated to nearly 34 degrees. Cozy. Which means, yeah, perfect for babies and young children. Okay. We'll have inflatables to hire. So just making it a real fun swimming pool. Um, and is it just for people staying in the glamping pods? It's for community as well as as the guests. holidaymakers, yeah. okay. So we hope to really open it up to the community for private swimming, swimming lessons as well as um, play hours, you know, if you if you finish school at half three and you just want to do something with your kids, yeah, you know, we you encourage people it. to book it for an hour or two. Oh. Um, and then birthday parties, so if yeah. a kid wants to have a birthday party there, you know, you, you have a swimming pool party and then we're going to put in a, a glamping party pod. Okay. So you can go and have party food in a glamping pod afterwards. Amazing. So, which will be good fun. Um, so that's the plan. So what is your time scale? Or do you not like to put it, the timings on it in case um, in case things slip? Or is Duncan really we would focused on this going to be he's happening? He's quite focused. Um, we're, we're working with amazing builders at the moment and we hope everything should be in place late spring mm -hmm. to be opened and running by early summer. Okay. Fingers crossed. And you've already had a lot of attention when you yes. first mentioned this on social media. People are already emailing. Can I've I book the pool? When can I stay? So we've already had inquiries about when they can start booking for the glamping pods mm -hmm. and we've already got swimming teachers in place to start pool lessons. Okay. I actually had one of my friends asking when we're starting our 
um, swimming pool lessons, you okay. know, so she could start organising her August term with her kid. Wow. So that's organised. So organised. Yes. I am not that. I'm a mum of two, and you're a mum of three. And we're not. We were talking about this earlier. Some people are nailing it with the planning. So that's what I need to work you, on. We need to work. Mm-hmm. We we both do. So we're good at work planning, just not the rest. Just not the family life. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so yeah. So that's what yeah. So that's what the plan is to have it have a swimming teacher working in it so she can provide lessons i've also got somebody that's coming to do adult lessons to help sore backs okay so it's it's trying to use the pool in lots of different ways so the pool will be for those staying in the glamping pods but equally people can hire it for their own private party Mm -hmm. or a a business could hire it as well so you're going to be so by october you're going to have the pods you're going to have the pool Uh rebecca is looking terrified (laughs) now and you're going to have pumpkins so do you only so, do things with the letter P? Is that right? Is that you know? <laughs> is it possible pumpkins and parties yeah, and what else? That, so, I never thought of that. I'm the P lady. Exactly. <laughs> so there's so much happening. And I and my and your Palompo PR. So and Palompo PR. All P's, exactly. Yeah, P's so P's. just to give the obvious segue of why Rebecca and I um, are talking, I've been um, working with Rebecca for two years now. Um, and how we got together was I was a crazy stalker on Instagram of Rebecca's business. And I should know, just Facebook, I think, at that point. Um, and I thought, you know what? you got to put yourself out there. And I liked the look of what they were doing at Arn Prior Farm. But I did get the feeling that their PR was going to spin out of control because they were so heavily um, attractive to the media and to social media. And I could just see from what they were doing that I didn't think they would have a handle on their PR. I could just tell. And that wasn't an unkind thing to think or say. That was just the impression I got. So I emailed Rebecca on Instagram and said, hey, have you ever thought about working with anyone on PR? Which, and I'm sure if you're an independent PR like me, or if you're a small business, getting an email like that, you think, yeah, no thanks, bye. Or I get requests all the time. So we ended up having a FaceTime call, me, you, and your husband, Duncan, and... I just said, I think you could do some PR help because I think it's going to go out of control this year because every year it's been crazy. So yeah, we just went for it. We went, okay, not really sure how this can help. And we did a press launch um, on site. And that was, yeah, we could not have done, you know, we could not have done anything like that ourselves. The thought of even doing a press launch, you wouldn't, Duncan or I would not have known Uh where to start. And I think since you've been on board with us, it's actually made the brand feel more complete, more of a, you know, we're going in a certain direction, but it feels under control. And I think the whole, the whole, um, the whole current climate with bloggers and Instagrammers has just taken off in the last two years. And I would never contact. That's a pumpkin call. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, so the whole, I would never, yeah, so the whole, um, current climate with bloggers and Instagrammers, I would never know where to start even contacting anybody. And that's something that for me, when I look back at the pumpkin thing, the lambing thing, it's amazing how much an influence they have. Yeah. And I think from you doing that with our pumpkin day and our launch day, it's just exposed them to our, our little business. It's bringing people in. And that's what, you know, for me, working with a brand that has a great story to tell, which was the purpose of this podcast, was to hear the stories. So when I met Rebecca and Duncan properly, having had the FaceTime and then met properly, I just couldn't believe how interesting it all was. And at that point, there was no plan for a pool. There was no plan for the um, glamping pods. 
I know it's it, it feels, it's grown arms and legs and I think as well having I think the great thing about people they know us for our pumpkins it's now hoping that people see us in a different angle with our yeah our pulling pods and we don't know where it's you know where we don't it's know what's go. next yeah well we're one of those couples that we're always yeah Duncan reads a lot and he comes up with a lot of the ideas mm -hmm. he plants the idea in my head and then I develop it and that's you know many people think oh your wife you know did she come up with a pumpkin idea and he's like no I did it, it was, was mine idea. she's just the face <laughs> <laughs> so to give Duncan his due he came up with the pumpkin idea he came up with the pull your own turnips he came up with the lambing but then I like to say to him well you don't paint signs you know yeah. I'll, I'll paint but it's a signs. team effort and that's the, <laughs> and that's the way it works and that's the excitement and, and that's the luck that you've got to work I together think we always are looking for another little facet of the business of the whole I think it's maybe looking at the farming calendar and seeing where we can go and what's you know how we can what we can do in a different season and we've got little ideas for the summer seasons of how we can invite people onto the farm uh -huh. it's just tweaking it and making it right before we we do it and and just give people that are listening how on earth do you do all of this with three children under the age so your children are nine mm -hmm. seven, seven and Three and a half. So, really. so how do you do that? Um, or do you not have the answer? You, you not got some amazing, you know, app that you use on your phone and suddenly <laughs> your life is amazing, we all need to do it. I think Is there an answer? Come on, help us out. I don't think there's an answer. I think at the moment I've got three kids that probably don't want to have like live on a farm when they grow yeah. up. <laughs> so you completely put them off I the think, farming life. No, I think they're at that age where, you know, they maybe don't understand the whole, you know, why mummy and daddy need to literally have three mental weeks of the year at pumpkins or you know six mental weeks at lambing time at the moment I'm lucky that well two are in school it's when it comes to why does October holidays have to clash with pumpkins that's my I know biggest. that I do feel or bad Easter for you because you're not doing yeah. October or Easter holidays but I'm very lucky my mother-in-law lives on the farm as well so she is fantastic for childcare. so she helps me out at the busy times as well as for example tonight because I'm here with you and then I'm meeting Mark, our website designer, she's able to pick the kids up from yeah. school. So I'm very lucky to have her. And but that took planning. That took planning. And she's going to she's going to be helping me with the pods in the pool. Okay. She actually retires today. She's a nurse. So that's all working really well. I've got some great friends in Kippen that are really supportive. Again, help me out where, uh -huh. where um, we can. And to be fair, the kids just, just, they have to just join in. I say, look, if you want to go on holiday in January, we need to work hard, come and feed some sheep, mm -hmm. come and, you know, weed the pumpkin patch. Erin, yeah. maybe not, so she's three and a half. <laughs> she, you know, she's no use at working yeah, on the farm. She sits yet. in a tractor and sometimes will watch us. And also with her, she's putting hands in her mouth. So at lambing time, you need to say, don't touch. Yeah, you're really, that. you know, that's logistics, but, isn't it? Um, but no, they're all different personalities. Some days they're really keen to help. Some days they're really keen not to. You know, the whole, I, I like to, I, I, I won't say it's all all fun and oh yeah they're really keen to skip over to the farm and help me <laughs> a lot of it is right you'll get five pounds if you help me this morning so <laughs> they're quite smart cookies then yeah, you know they, they can get paid if they do the work so yeah so we're trying to encourage them as well I suppose you know look if you work hard you will earn pocket money yeah and I'm trying to actually encourage um husband Duncan to you know to get a little garden shed set uh -huh. up at the farm this year so okay. we can make it a snug so they can go in there and uh -huh. they can watch a, a film. I was going to say you need Wi-Fi out there Something. 4G. Well, we've, got, we've luckily got Wi-Fi on the there farm so I'm hoping he puts that up. 
in place. And what would be, you know, your absolute, your, your, in your opinion, the thing that you've learned the most over the past couple of years about running your own, building your own business in the way it is, what, what have you really learned? Um, <clears throat> trial and error, I think. Okay. Um, at the moment, I, I still think we are in the trial, mm-hmm. trial periods. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, don't, I think for us, it's trying to keep it, keep it real for what we've always wanted it to be. Yeah. So we're, we're not trying to be a big branded business that's lost all personality. For me, I still, even in 10 years time, want to be hand painting my signs. Yeah. I always want to be very much, we're the McEwans, we're Duncan, Rebecca, Duncan, Florian, Erin, and yeah. Anne and Duncan, his parents. Yeah. We have a family farm and this is what we believe. And I think it's always keeping very much the farmy side to it. Mm-hmm. And so people see that, you know, when we shut our gates in the evening, we've still got, for example, at pumpkin time, when we shut our pumpkin head off, we've still got um, 1,300 sheep to get ready yeah. for the tup, the yeah. ram. You know, so it's, it's a really, it's it doesn't just, stop. No, and I think it doesn't stop, but I always feel it's just to keep it very true to what we are. I don't want to become this big, crazy, non... Uh, it's a real, the face of us, yeah. not a big branded company. And how do you relax? What is your thing? Are you up in the morning running? Are you a yogi? I would love Are to you a mad tidier? What, what, is, what is your thing that you get away from the madness of the farm? Um, my thing would be friends. I'm very much a friend, you know, I love social events. I'm always trying to organise mm-hmm. nights out, meals out, coffee dates, play dates, just to be around, you know, friends. Yeah. That's where, you know, I just love to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I love <laughs> you to You haven't shop. guessed, yeah. the podcast listeners have not guessed. <laughs> um, I love to shop. I will not, you know, a good shop in H&M or Zara would be my ideal of heaven. <laughs> um, I love to, yeah, I think it's just really catching up with people. I do love to holiday. We always have our big holiday with the family in January. Mm-hmm. I would love to do more throughout the year, but yeah. just with the farm being how it is, I'd love to probably keep healthy more, but for me, it's more the childcare thing. There's mm-hmm. never somebody there to yeah. look after kids, but I'm hoping when the pool opens, uh-huh. you know, of course I'm going to be You're going to have your own sick. pool. Have you realised? I've just, I've just realised you're going to have your own pool. I that think sounds pretty glamorous, actually. I think after one week, I'll get, you know... It'll yeah, be, the, the, the novelty will wear <laughs> off. It's like all these things. It'll be my sleep's better. Exactly. <laughs> so no, that's, yeah, probably just, yeah, being, surrounding yourself with good friends, I think, is the best. Is the best, best Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And where, so if anybody is listening today and they want to know more about the, they want to book a spot in the pool, they want to go and stay in the pod, they want to come and dig some tatties, pull some turnips, how are they going to know about you? How are they going to find out? So our website is arnpriorfarm.com and that will have links to the pool, the pods, the lambing and the pumpkins and they can book a ticket to they do any of those things tickets. so we've introduced tickets for pumpkins recently so that's for your car parking tickets so that can be booked through pumpkin page on our website and the lamy slot and etc okay the um i'd say i'm using instagram more than facebook these days but and instagram works for you because why why does that work i think instagram works for me because i'm very much a visual person mm-hmm. i think you don't need to write a big blurb about a picture. Sometimes a picture can just tell the story. Yeah. So, yeah, I love doing Instagram. And I think Instagram stories, I'm becoming more and more 
happy with Instagram stories. You know, I just think it's a good snapshot of your life in two minutes. You know, you can show people. And exactly. to the point of Rebecca will blush when I say this, but to the point of when we did the press launch in October last year, people were coming going, "That is Rebecca." because they've seen you on the stories. And you're cringing, but the reality is that is, we all want to know about the people behind a business. We all want to know the real story. We're all absolutely fascinated by anybody's business, whether we em want to emulate it ourselves or we're just inspired because we hear their story. So when people are following you on Instagram stories and Rebecca is out there in the wind and the rain, you know, with no makeup on, going, I've got a blocked up nose, I'm here on the farm, I'm doing this today. And then in an hour later, she's all she's just done the school run and she's looking super glam with her, you know, completely jewels or Bowden kitted out outfit. And she's like, yep, I'm back on the farm, I'm doing this. People love that because you are the real person doing all of that work and they love to see the story. And then when it came to when you opened the pumpkin patch in October, people were turning away, that's, that's her. That's her from the past. That's the windswept that, crazy, that's her. crazy pumpkin You know, lady. and that is the thing <laughs> that people love and we all love because it's so real and it's raw. And that's where Instagram, I guess, helps grow your business. Yeah, no, I think Instagram shows the true business. And I think especially, maybe the grid can be a little bit too styled, especially, yeah. you know, I know there's some accounts where it's stunning, it's beautiful, the filter makes everything yeah, look and ideal. they are gorgeous. And then the, the same person might run a story and you see the real day-to-day, -day, but yeah. they've still got a beautiful grid. Yeah. My grid can vary. Sometimes it's a bit of reality. Sometimes it's a nice you know, Emma Bridgewater mug with a scone and, uh -huh. oh, I'm having a day off because that's my day. That is but, that is a genuine day off but, moment and yeah. that's what you love. So, no, I think it's it's a great tool. And Facebook, I've that's one thing I've noticed this year, Facebook has changed the algorithms and everything. I know I've chatted and, to you a few times. And you had to spend on your advertising yeah. there years ago, as we said. You, it was Facebook was better. a free entity and it yeah. helped you grow. But, and, yeah, so I, I probably am guilty of not updating it as much because I don't enjoy using it as much, but I, I would say it's still one of the true yeah. advertising tools that has helped yeah. us be where we are. And it's just about being on top of what the next thing is. Yeah. And we've, Rebecca and I talked a lot about that this morning, what is next for any business? What do you have to be on top of? Is it email marketing? Is it making your website the best it can be? Is it just focusing on one social channel? And neither of us have the answer to that. And nobody does, and we, I don't believe anyone has the answer. You've just got to pick what's right for your business at that time mm -hmm. and make it right. Yeah, no, I think it will be interesting the next year to see to see what social media yeah, channels see what influencers win. are working, what things are right for each business. Because what works for Rebecca is not going to work for your business because they are completely unique. And even if you have a farm and you're listening to this wanting to know the top tip, there is no top tip because it's also subjective. But I think what Rebecca said about trial and error is really is really key. Yep. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for being my first guest. <laughs> thank you for this inviting me. This was great. Me. We've, um, I think we've gone through everything that we would want to go through. I'm looking at my little list now, which I didn't look at once because I knew that I wouldn't need to because the reason I had Rebecca on first is because she's a great talker. So I didn't really oh, have to yeah. say much. Um, but I will um, hope that you follow Rebecca on her Instagram. So she has two Instagrams. Do you want to tell us what those are? So my Instagram for the business, where a lot of the pool and the pods, slamming and pumpkins, all features is Arm Prior Farm. And I have a little one, maybe I fill with a few of my kids, a few of my nice curtains or a, <laughs> a skirt I bought. It's farming with kids. So I've got two, one more personal, oh. one a bit more businessy. Great. Thank you.